Good evening, everybody. We are here on October 2nd. Important day in India's history. It's the birthday of the father of the nation, our Hallelujah. nation. And he Hallelujah. was a man, really, really incredible man. If you want to see how far a human soul can achieve, primarily in righteousness, look at Gandhi. You can look at Gandhi. And today is his birthday. And it's our 87 session. We just thank God for every session he gives us. Questions you send, the answers we trust God gives us. And we know it's a blessing because we have so many people logging in and listening. I mean, I can understand people listening to Q&A live. I've never heard of people listening to a recorded Q&A. But the number of people who listen to the Q&A recorded, it's double the number of people who listen to the Q&A live. So that gives us great joy. That means not us, that God is speaking to people even through Q&A. So this evening we'll just pray. Pastor Vijay will lead us in prayer and then we'll start. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again, Father, for this time that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for a new month. Thank you, Father, for this first Q&A of this month. And Lord, uh, all these questions, Lord, your children have children have sent in, O Lord, from all around the world. I pray, Lord, that you would give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would be with your servant even as he tackles these questions, O Lord, you would grant them the wisdom, the presence of mind, and Lord, that you would, Lord, answer just not the question, but Lord, to every questioner, O Lord, who's seeking, O Lord, Father, for answers, and you are the answer, O Lord, ultimately, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time once again. Commit this entire session into your hands and everything that we do, O Lord, let your name and your name alone be glorified. We thank you, we praise you. For, we give you glory, honor and praise for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, so this is, this question is uh, question number nine. Uh, it's a, it's been there for quite some time. Uh, it's question number nine, uh, Dr. Richard. <clears throat> it says, when someone passes away who might be an unbeliever, even Christians do mention, let his or her soul rest in peace in their condolence messages. They don't, that, that doesn't make sense, isn't it? We can only pray for God's comfort of the living family members and we are not the ones to decide if the soul is in peace or not. Even some Christians believe that believers go to a better place after they die. I feel that this minimizes the joy and glory of heaven if heaven or God's presence is replaced by being in a better place. Also, I've heard few Christians say after someone passes away and if one is unsure if he or she is saved to pray for the soul to go to God's presence. We can only pray for someone until they ha uh, they take their last breath and once they are pronounced dead and buried, we can't and shouldn't pray for that person or soul. Am I right? Yeah, we'll take the questions by parts. Let us go to the first one. Okay, when someone passes away who might be an unbeliever, even Christians do mention, let his or her soul rest in peace in their condolence messages. Well, in a condolence message, <laughs> you have to be sensitive, right? Like also my, that's all we can wish. We don't wish anybody harm. That's that's what we wish. Even on his last stages of his human life on earth, Jesus is trying to get people into heaven. Okay, and also let me tell you this. We never know how a person dies. 
never know how a person. I had two experiences where I know two people accepted the Lord in their coma and they died. Okay. So we do not know how God intervenes, how God speaks, okay, how he speaks. Because we leave those things, the secret things belong to God. Our job is to do what we are called to do. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. Can you hear me? Yeah. If God is able to speak to Cornelius in a vision, okay, it's a vision. I do believe God is able to speak to a man in his deathbed. You know, in his deathbed, he's able to speak. He's able to speak. So when a person dies, uh, unless he was an out and outright criminal, and I mean, it's still we do not make judgments of people who are dead because it's beyond our power. Even even when they are alive, it's none of our business to judge people, right? It's not our business to judge people when they are alive. Then why should we judge them when they are dead? Okay, so we always say, we hope, I mean, we pray that their pray in the sense is not praying. In English, when you use the pray, it's, it's a statement. I pray you listen to me. It's not, does, does not necessarily mean has a prayer. We need to be very wise and discerning about what we say. As far as possible, just leave those things aside. So the matters of the departed soul, leave it to God. And don't be offensive. You also wonder where he has reached. We don't make those statements, right? <laughs> okay. So then uh, when it comes, yes, we pray for the comfort of the living family members and we are not the one. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. We... Uh, we pray for them, and we are not the ones to decide, which is truly it is, okay? Even when some Christians believe that believers go to a better place after they die. Okay, now let us uh, put it across this way, that believers are all kinds in the church, okay? It's like that vision, Peter, so all kinds of believers are there in the church. And most, let us be honest, and we, we are not judging ourselves like where we are. Most Christians are in the outer courts. When people are in the outer courts, their heaven is heaven is only a little better than the world outside. Mm. They're very close to the world. Okay, mm. So people who do not have real encounters with the living God, just saved and all, uh, heaven is not so much of a reality. The world in which they live is a reality. And the eyes are full of the world and the glory of the world, the magnificence of the world. And such a person says heaven is a better place itself is a big thing. <laughs> because to get them out of the world is the most <laughs> difficult thing. Okay, so when they say they have gone to a better place, uh, factually it is true. Heaven is a better place and the best place on earth. It's a better place. So we don't make judgments about stuff like that. It does not matter. It does not matter, no, because when people say it's a better place, it is a better place. But they do not have, none of us have the knowledge except from the word of God, even that is difficult to pursue with our human understanding, how great a better place is heaven. Mm. We don't know. I mean, words do not, we do not have words. Even even uh, John, who who had a vision, only gave two chapters about it, literally. He's not able to describe it, no? So we know it's a better place, or we can say it is the best place. Okay, and then we come to that third part of it. Yes. 
I feel this minimizes the joy and the glory of heaven if heaven or God's presence is replaced by being in a better place. But again, like I said, if you look at many Christians, okay, I honestly do not see them experiencing and enjoying the presence of God. Mm. Okay. So why do you tell people? Why do you tell people? You know, it has to become a reality for them. I mean, uh, just look at the case of the children of Israel who experienced the power of God and came out. Then when God actually is making an appearance, they say, we will stand far off. You go. You go. Okay, you go. So to people who who really, I mean, it's like for most Christians, heaven is just a place. It's not connected with a person. It's not so much intimately connected with a person. That's why the whole series we are doing about that, the end of the doctrine is fellowship. And fellowship does not result after the doctrine. The doctrine has not failed. We fail the doctrine. Okay? So the, the whole law and the prophets is summed up in two commands. Love God with all your heart. It's a person. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose. And the fact is, it is a process. People struggle with this. So when you, those who say it are not minimizing it, they are only expressing their own experience. All they know about heaven is a better place. Okay? It's a better place. Okay? Like on Wednesday when Pastor Vijay was uh, uh, preaching, remember he used uh, the proverb about better to live in the corner of the house than, okay? And now, which is, let us be a audacious woman or a man. Let's not put woman alone over there. There are very lots of men more nasty. actually nasty men that the woman would prefer to live in the kitchen forever and never come out, okay? Or a corner. So so that corner of the house is a better place. It's a better place. Okay? For the man the rooftop is a better place. Okay, so when they're talking, so each one is talking out of their experience. They're not minimizing heaven because they don't know how to minimize heaven because they have an experience. Mm. Like people are not like Paul who said, I went to the third heaven and all that. So they're not minimizing. But those people who have experienced God personally will talk about God and try to draw people to a relationship with God and people grow. People grow that way. Like we use the oft example, you have a baby, you have a child, you have a young man. All of them experience appearance. And the experiences are not the same. Mm. Little Gracie's experience of Raj now won't be the same after five years, won't be the same after 10 years, won't be the same after 20 years. But you cannot negate saying that what she experiences of a father now is not true. Mm, exactly. Yes, that's right. It's still true. Amen. She knows mm. him. She knows her mother. She's comfortable and she's familiar with their voices and their rocking and their heartbeat and she's comfortable with them. And that's an experience. And we cannot negate that experience away. So when somebody says, as a baby in Christ, heaven is a better place, okay, we can't negate it. It's mm. true in their experience. But somebody else who, like in the Bible says, is a father who has known him from the beginning. Mm. 
when he talks about experience that also is true that also is true so i would simply say that we don't become judgmental in these things you know at, at the end of the day it's a death there is grief there is sorrow and if you are if you are uh, comforting you can only comfort from your experience like people get shocked when i always preach from second samuel 12 at david's son's death what david did now the reason is because that's how i reacted god asked me to react it when my child died so it's my experience it's not just something which david experienced because three days later he said you shall go and lead worship and i did i did and i realized the liberty of it and of, of worshiping god the grief lifting and he giving me a vision of that child the child is in heaven all is fine with them so it's suddenly that changes your entire perspective of heaven and of death so when uh, but very rarely will people speak from that and memorial service and all people will not speak about that because it's a very challenging words yeah. very challenging words so each one when you come to a situation like this can only speak from their experience but like i said a baby's experience is also true it is not completely true but it is also true so i would say that leave it alone then i heard a few christians say after someone passes away and if one is unsure if she is saved to pray for the soul to go to god no that you cannot negotiate with absolutely, that absolutely yes okay if you we saw the verse today hebrews 9 and verse 27 praise god 9 and verse 27 as it is appointed for men to die once but after this the judgment okay once death has taken place we have no power no influence over that person's soul it's over mm. all we can do is when a person is alive mm. our witness our prayers everything is to the person who is alive mm. once they are dead it's beyond our purview it has gone into a different dimension and we have no power or control over it so after a person is dead if we pray it has no meaning it has no meaning at all you are going back to that question it has no meaning at all we can only pray for someone until they take their last breath yes. that's true that's true and once they pronounce dead and buried we can't and shouldn't pray for that person or soul am i right yes you should not you should not it's also treading into dangerous territory mm-hmm. we do not communicate with the dead departed yes with the dead with the departed we do not do that all pagan religions do that catholicism do that does that we do not do that i'm not saying they are not alive but they are we are not allowed to do that oh yes we are not allowed to that nor in the new covenant are we allowed to do that because it's it's a compl- and it doesn't make any sense yeah. one praying for them does not make any difference to them nothing changes okay nothing changes and because the judgment is set it's in god's hands second uh, we cannot communicate with them and asking them to pray for us and all that is ridiculous mm. ridiculous because our entire relationship is with god through christ through the holy spirit not even mary or the saint that's how the catholicism mm. moved into that completely moved into that so we have to be very very careful let me tell you this as an aside 
the greatest blasphemy the Catholic Church did is not so much as what we see with Mary, but that actually, in practicality, they replaced the Holy Spirit with Mary. Wow. That's the greatest blasphemy. If you look at the function of Mary in the Catholic Church, mm. it's actually what the Holy Spirit does mm. in the church. And that's the greatest blasphemy oh, they have done. Mm. They have replaced Mary with the Holy Spirit. That's what they have done. Okay. Because what Mary does, if you look at the Word of God, it is the Holy Spirit who does it through us. That's what we pray through Him, we love in Him, everything. He's the one who intercedes for us according to the will of the Father, through the Son to the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And you know, if you don't understand that subtlety, you will realize the greatest blasphemy danger that the doctrine the Catholic Church introduced is not that of Mary worship. It's basically what she does. She replaces the Spirit of God in the Trinity mm. and His work in the church. That's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So we need to realize, therefore, praying to somebody, praying for somebody who is dead is banned. Very clear. One of the things that was told to Israel when they moved into the promised land, you will never do it because that is the practices of the nations that I'm driving them out. So yes, once they are dead, leave it alone and be at peace. It's beyond your hands. You know, one, you can't do anything about it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So when you said that experience, uh, how, how important is the initial conversion of conversion experience of a believer. I'm not talking, I'm just not talking about a subjective experience. How, how important is like, for example, you said, uh, today, uh, even like, uh, different people, even the salvation experience of different people in the church is different. Mm. So how important and how radical should it be? I mean, I, I, I know we cannot qualify it or quantify it. No, we cannot. Like, uh, we have a doctor sitting over here, but then he was in a different department. But if he was in a gynec department, he would see the labor of all women are not the same. So they are all delivering. Their labor is not the same. If some will go in and 15 minutes later yeah. deliver and yeah. come. Okay. Some go 24 hours, 48 hours labor. But they're all delivering. Struggling, yes. Okay, they're all delivering and the baby is born. So in the same way, the born again experience of all the people are never the same. Never the same. And I would also say it also depends, uh, like what we, what we say is, uh, the person through whom, whom you got saved, they received mm-hmm. the gospel. Okay. Yeah, it also makes a difference. True. Paul's salvation was out of this world because, because it was directly from heaven. Yeah. Directly from heaven. True. It was literally out of this world. Mm-hmm. So everybody, so in the day of Pentecost, it was the Holy Spirit coming with all its power. So it is a spectacular demonstration of the salvation of 3,000 crying out, baptizing, separating. But as you go further down the line, in some cases, it can become better. In some cases, it can become weaker. Mm. It can be weaker. So, everybody's experience is not the same. And it, it, it will not be the same. Okay. And so many factors are involved also. It is just not also the person who ministers to you. It is also the person who is mm. receiving it. Mm. Receiving it. 
Okay, the person of receiving is also ultimately framed by his upbringing, his, you know, what all experiences, everything. But we need to accept at the end of the day, salvation is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So everybody is, who is born again, is born again. But everybody may not be born again through the same process. For some, their labor may be longer. Mm. Labor may be longer. Some may be instantaneous, like, but who are you? What do you want me to do? Okay. Uh, some are not like that. Some take time. Nicodemus, ultimately, we believe, was born again. Yes. He went and he struggled. He knew struggle. Then finally, three and a half years later, when Jesus died, he came out. And suddenly you realize, you know what, he's stronger mm. where even the apostles fail. Yes, he has much more to lose than the apostles and he comes out and he takes the body and mm. he goes. Okay, So you cannot. Sometimes you will see, I also have seen that. Sometimes I have seen those people who are born again instantaneously. Then I see some people who take their own time. They think about it spend time about it. They logically analyze everything and they come to this conclusion, you know what, this is the only path. But they have taken all their decisions and when they commit themselves, they are committed. Okay, that's right. Mm. They are committed. Because they have thought it all. This other person hasn't thought it all. Mm -hmm. But he's so excited by the thing, he also commits himself. But sometimes his commitment is not as deep as Mm. this one. Mm. This one, okay? Both has its own values, pros and cons. But in this case, you will see Jesus says, count the cost. Mm. Count the cost. So we do not make, all we have to do is continuously keep preaching the word of God and allow the word and the spirit to work in people. And some will receive, some will not receive. It's like the seed that is fallen on different grounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our job is to do what we are called to do. Paul plants, Apollos waters. That's all we can do. God gives the increase. The increase is not in our hands. We cannot cause spiritual increase in anybody's life. Yes. Any. One is called to pray, can pray. Can pray till Jesus comes. There may be no increase in some people at all. Yeah. Okay. But because that is in his hands. Mm. That is in his hands. Okay, so we have to do what we have to do. Hmm. Only God can do what only He can do. So, Pastor, next because the next question is hmm. kind of a very subjective question. Okay, I think it's uh, asking you directly. Ten. Uh, when you first got saved, did you ever find yourself playing a role because you desire approval and acceptance? Anxiety in our relationships relationships comes from worrying too much about what others think of us instead of seeking approval from God. But this is true about everybody. Almost everybody, you know, everybody, you know, because that's the way we grow up. We want approval. We want acceptance. Okay. It is human nature. We want to be accepted. We are not like animals. We are social creatures and acceptance is built into our DNA. It is built into our DNA. We have to be. This thing, and that's what you see. The first question that is happening: Why is Cain upset? Mm. Because he's not accepted. He's not accepted, and he's upset. He's angry. His countenance has fallen. And God is saying, "See, I haven't rejected you. I've rejected your offering." On the other hand, if you do right, you also will be accepted. So acceptance is because the entire 
human world suffers under rejection. Orphan spirit, yes. That orphan spirit, yes. because Adam and Eve once they were kicked out of the garden, that orphan spirit is there. Mm. So one of the one of the primary statements Jesus makes in the new covenant is that I will not leave you orphans. Mm-hmm. I will come back to you and I will send somebody just like what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to deal with the orphan spirit. See, there is something about the Trinity which we need to understand. The Godhead has new covenant, we'll call them. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are eternally fathers. Mm. That's why the Son is called the everlasting Father. Everlasting Father, Father, yes. The Father is the Father. The Holy Spirit is a father. Abba Father, we cry. cry. Holy Spirit, he's the one who fathered Jesus Mm -hmm. through Mary, the Holy Spirit. So he's he's the father of Jesus that way. So they are all three that we are talking about, about their role. They are eternally fathers. All three of them are eternally fathers. And when they come to us, basically they are trying, you are not orphans. You are not orphans. And we did need to understand, even in a home, even in a home, it does not matter how great the mother is, how good the mother is, how loving the mother is, how caring the mother is. Children want the father's acceptance and approval. And if it is not there, they don't thrive. They don't thrive. They're all, they know Mm. they need the father's approval. They need the father's approval. And we need to understand that's what God is telling. And we need approval and we need acceptance. Now, approval and acceptance are two different things. So when we come to Christ, we are accepted. We are accepted in the beloved, in Christ. We are accepted based on Christ's works. And after that, as we listen and obey, our works are approved. We are accepted. We don't have to do anything to be accepted. We just have to believe in his life, his death, his resurrection. Based on his work, we are accepted. We cannot earn our salvation. Now, once it is like you have been admitted in, you got admission into a school. But admission does not mean promotion. Hmm. For promotion, you need to work. Yes. Okay. Admission is free. All government schools, colleges, technically, admission is free. Okay. If you meet the minimum requirement, that is salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart, can repent, believe, confess, minimum requirement, you are accepted mm. into God's college, school, his home. After that begins our approval. Approval. And every time we walk by faith, God approves of us. That is what it means to be pleased. Well done, Sabash. Ultimate approval is over there. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And don't confuse one with the other. We need both. Both like our children, we are two fathers, three fathers sitting over, four fathers. Okay, now we are outnumbered bachelors, four fathers sitting over here. Okay, now let me tell you, it's very good. Let me tell you the simple example. We have Raj here, the youngest father. When it comes to grace, it's only acceptance, he does not expect anything from her to approve her. Simple. Acceptance. I accept you as you are. You do whatever you want. You are accepted. That's how we receive young believers into the church. You are accepted. Come. Mm-hmm. We don't expect you to be like the 10-year-old believer, 3-year-old believer. We don't expect you to be like that. But after some time, Gracie will start growing up. Now, three years later, if Gracie behaves the way she is behaving now, she's not going. She'll still accept it. But she will not be approved. 
discipline will start. No. No. Okay. So acceptance and approval are two different things. And we need to get that very, very clear that you are accepted. But what happens is baby Christians, they confuse one with the other. Because you disapprove of them, they think they are not accepted. Mm. And you have to make it very, very, very clear. Even to our own children, constantly, very, very, you are loved. I will love till your last breath. But that does not mean your behavior is accepted. Behavior is accepted. And anxiety in our relationship comes from worrying too much about what others think of us instead of seeking approval from God. There are two sides to it. If you go to the book of um, uh, First Samuel, I think it's chapter 16. We'll give it to you. You put it? Yeah. (laughs) Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as a man sees for man looks at the outer. Understand this. Man does look at the outer. He's not God which is able to see a man's heart. We all look at man's outside and we all tell. We tell our children, we tell, okay, don't do this. Dress like this. Comb your hair. Okay? You're going for an interview. People, when you go for an interview, do you go like the way you get up from your bed? No. You may be the smartest guy around, but you don't go like that. You know why? Because the first impression makes a difference. Yes. It makes a difference. It makes a difference because man looks at the outward and the first thing you look at is, why is he come like this? Why is he come like this? Okay? So man looks at the outside. Then if you come to Romans in chapter 14, a lot of things are mentioned over there in chapter 14. And one verse particularly I want to give you. Don't put anything that causes your brother to stumble. Okay? Yeah. Got it? 30? Yeah. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. What is that? It is something a weaker brother sees outwardly, outwardly in an older brother and causes him to stumble. Okay? So, going back to that question, let's go back to that question. We have to be careful that... Uh, uh, we don't, we should not worry too much because we also need, but we need to be concerned because ultimately we have three testimonies. One is our testimony before man. Yes. Two is our testimony before the spiritual host mm. of both good and wickedness. And third is our testimony before God. Mm-hmm. Because even the angels do not really see us fully. Yes. Only yes. God does. He sees the thoughts, the intents, everything he sees. Well, he's able to really know our testimony. So we have these three testimonies and they do really matter. Really, really matter. And especially if you're working in a situation, let's, let's, let's say you work, you're working in an office. We all worked in the secular system. When you're working in a secular system, you don't share the gospel. Yes. You don't. Sh- Technically, very rarely do you get opportunities to tear, but God will give you the opportunity. But primarily, it is your testimony. Yes. Your testimony. Your testimony matters. They will look at your outward behavior. They look at all your outward things, and they will decide whether you are different or not. Hmm. 
Amen. Yeah. And you are not doing anything to win their approval. Absolutely. You are saying one thing primarily. Let me not be a stumbling block. block to somebody believing in Christ. You know why? Because I am a witness of Christ's life here. Hallelujah. We are not a witness of Christ's words alone. We are a witness of Christ's life. John, the gospel according to John, verse 4, if I'm says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Okay. And that's the new covenant. The new covenant is not just the words. It is that in him was life. And the life was the light of men. That life is that which confused or caused conviction for Nicodemus. Nicodemus had the word. And he was a teacher of the word. But when he saw that life of that word in Jesus, he said, you know you what? You're surely from God. You're surely from God. And Jesus says, you know what? You want to be like that? I will tell you. You need to be born again. Meaning, you need to have that life in you. You too will be a witness. So that matters. It matters. We are not trying to win the approval of people. We are trying to win People to Christ. So what people think of you does matter. Yes. It does yes. matter. Yes. We cannot be casual about it. Yeah. What your, if you are a child, what your father thinks about you, what your mother thinks about you, you know, what your friends think about you, what your headmaster thinks about you, what your principal thinks, teacher thinks, all these things really matter. They really matter. They do matter. You cannot be casual about it. In the church, if you are, if you belong, when you belong to a church, what the pastor thinks about you yeah, matters. Yeah. The leadership thinks about you matters. Mm-hmm. What your fellow believers think about you, it does matter. It does matter. If you have doubts, let a wedding proposal come. The first person they call is the pastor. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Mm-hmm. What do you say? Let me talk to you. They have two people sitting in IT companies. I had my upstairs and neighbors uh, and uh, Naresh's uh, wife got a job with SBI and she gave my number and came and said, Uncle, they will call you for reference. Yeah, they call you for reference. Yep. They do. Some companies are very tough. Every background name check. you give, they will do a background mm-hmm. check. They will ask you for your reference. Then only they will pick you. Okay, so that's basically what. We do need to be careful about what others think about us because we are the witness of Christ. We are his witness. We are living his life out. And then that uh, witness is messed up. What happens is not what happens to us. We have pushed them away from Christ. That's one of the questions that will come. There's another question connected with that. Yes, Pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So it does matter. I'm not saying we should go overboard with impressing people and being a people pleaser. We are not talking about that. We are just living a life, asking God to help us to live his life out through us. And when we fail, this is the most important thing, when we fail, we'll be the first to acknowledge and say, I was wrong. That's something which the others also have to see. That we are not infallible people. We are forgiven sinners, made righteous by by the work of somebody else, but people who are definitely on the road of righteousness. It's not that that was the only thing, no. He leads me in paths of righteousness for for his name's sake. And we are on that path. We are on that path. So when we are off that path, when we make the mistake, we are very careful. And they will understand, you know what, they are different. They are on a particular road. Not only because they are 
always trying to be righteous. When they are unrighteous, they come back and say, I'm sorry, I goofed up. I shouldn't have said that to you. Yeah. Yes. We do immediately. We do that. Uh, even in Matthew chapter 5, uh, mm. Jesus makes a distinction. He says, he says, these are the works of light. Let your lights mm. shine so that men may see your good works men and glorify you. And then he yeah. says, your righteous acts, like your giving your giving and praying and fasting, yeah. should be in secret. That is yeah. that, that nobody yeah. needs this to see. Thing. Yeah. Mm. There, are, there are two no, things. No, no, yeah. He's not saying we should not pray in public. Please understand, because mm. he prayed in mm. public. Okay, He says, you're praying in public should be only after you have prayed in private. Otherwise, it's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. It's hypocrisy, you know. If you do not have a prayer life, personal, secret life with God, with God, you know, then like uh, again about giving, that's the same thing. If you do not have a personal, consistent, secret life of giving, then don't talk about your giving in public because mm-hmm. Jesus gave in public. Mm-hmm. He took five loaves and he gave it to everybody and everybody knew he was a giver. Okay, but he was giving his entire life in, in secret. Mm. So he's not talking about, not talking about, um, pub- basically he says, don't be a hypocrite. That's basically what we're saying. Amen. If you do not fast, you know, and you're only doing it for public, you are a hypocrite. Mm. If you don't fast and pray in secret, you don't give in secret, meaning you don't have a secret life. Mm. Your everything is superficial, and then you become uh, a hypocrite. And he doesn't; God does not accept hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. The question number fifteen is a connection to this person. Okay. Here's what you were talking about in Mark's Gospel, chapter six and verse four. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, mm-hmm. in his own town, among his relatives, and his own town, in his own home." Unknown souls get saved through us, but our own home is a hard nut to crack and to break those habitual fence patterns of strongholds and lies. What are your thoughts on the same? See, uh, there's a saying in English. It's true. Familiarity breeds contempt. Okay. What happened to Jesus is, you need to realize about Jesus is that 30 years he was just a normal kid. A normal person, holy, righteous, but a normal person. He didn't do any of the works of the Father. He didn't do any of those things. He was just a normal person. And then at the age of 30, there is a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. Okay? And then when it comes over there, what happens is uh, there's a lot of stuff. There is what you call sibling jealousy. There is sibling rivalry. All kind of things happen. It is, it is honestly, it is difficult. Like, uh, we also, we also do the same thing. Like, you know, when our kids are older, if they need counseling, we send them to somebody else. We send them to somebody else. I mean, you're tired of hearing my voice, right? Go there. Go there and listen. Listen. And you know, you're going to hear the same thing. <laughs> Well, same thing. But it is not a familiar voice. It's not a familiar voice. It's a strange voice telling you the same things. Okay, so that happens to every family that happens. When Joseph had the two dreams, all his brothers were upset. When Jesus, this thing, his brothers were upset. If you want to be really known, they all have their own ideas. If you want to be really known, you should go to the temple. He said, your time is always. My time is not now. So it happens with Joseph, it happens with David, it happens. 
know, David's, you know, because what is the difference with the similarity about all of them? Joseph sees two dreams, so they realize he has been picked. David is anointed. They know he is picked. Jesus steps out into ministry, and they know, so look at, again, in, in, in Judah culture, to get into ministry is not a, a small huge, thing. It's, it's a, a huge thing. thing. And he's not from the tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. He's from the tribe of Judah. And he's come out. Okay, and they realize, okay, this is big because the miracles are starting to flow. This is big. And, oh, no, they try to control him. Basically, the mother and the brothers try to control him. Basically, you know, after all, we raised you up, we know you very well. We will tell you how to do that. happens with every person who steps into ministry. Mothers will try to come and tell you. Fathers will try to come and tell you. Siblings will try to tell you. They don't tell you with any other profession. No other profession, they will try to give you any advice. <laughs> when it comes to ministry, I'm honestly telling you, everybody when it comes, <laughs> everybody gets it. Because one thing is that also you need to understand why they do it is that Dr. Richard is a doctor. His father is not a doctor. His mother is not a doctor. His brother is not a doctor. So they will not tell him about medicine. But religion is everybody's common cup of tea. Mm. Everybody's common cup of tea. Everybody is in religion. (laughs) Okay. So you cannot say that is not something. So the father comes saying, I have so much years with the church. Why don't you do these two things? Mother comes and says, you know, I've been praying. I've heard the Lord speaking. And it's it's a very difficult thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a very, and all these things happen. All these things happen. It's a very difficult thing. But you have to negotiate yourself through this. And Jesus negotiated. In Jesus' case, of course, he was very tough. Mm. Very tough because, uh, you know how, how tough. So here what happens is, our own home is a heart not to crack. Okay, and God keeps it that way. In so many ways, God always keeps it that way is to say that, you know what, when people get saved, it's not because of who you are. It is because who I am. Amen. If people are going to get saved because of who you are, the day you get saved, all your family gets saved because they say, wow, this is who you are. Since nobody gets saved, they're not impressed by you. They're not impressed by that. Keep you humble. Amen. One of the proof of our salvation is real is that our family is not saved. <laughs> you know why? It has got nothing to do with you. Because my supernatural work, God says, in you. It had nothing to do with you. And after that, they are observing you with a lens. Microscope, they're watching. Is this real or not? And our struggle, honestly, let me tell you. I mean, it's personally. I mean, we, I, I guess it's a similar experience. Our most difficult place to witness, because we are not Christ. We were not without sin. Our biggest challenge of maintaining a testimony after being a believer is with our household. Because they know our weaknesses. They know us inside, inside out. out. Yes. That is why we have to be consistent. Mm. As we change, 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 we are going further and further and further and further and further. And ultimately, after Jesus is dead, the word of God says his brothers believed in him. Mm -hmm. They believed in him. And they became his servants. James and Jude. Yeah, James, Jude. They became his Mm. servants, no? So ultimately, we will, ultimately, and they won't listen even to, they like our position. But they don't listen to what we say. <laughs> I mean, my mother
never doesn't listen to my preaching. She's very pleased her son is preaching. <laughs> she doesn't listen to my preaching. But she loves the fact that her son is up there preaching. So everywhere she is, listen to my son, listen to my son, listen to my son. The problem is, do you listen to your son? Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is what is written. Jesus is in a house. He's preaching. Mother and brothers are outside. outside. You will never catch anywhere in the Bible where it is written the mother and brothers were inside. <laughs> So if that was about Jesus, how much more about us? Home is a heart not to crack, but it keeps us humble. But in Jesus' case, he tells us the reason why. is without, not without honor, except in his own town. In his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And it should be that way. It should be that way. When I go back home. I'm going back home. Amen. My wife doesn't say, oh, pastor has come. Mm. My husband has gone. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be called. When I'm going home, I'm going home as a husband, as a son. No, that's why I'm going back as home. No red carpet. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't matter. We, we, we revert to back what we always are. Okay. But when she talks about me with the church or with to the others, she will say, pastor said. Yes. Yes. Pastor said. Okay, Pastor said. So that is how we need to understand that uh, we struggle in our homes. That does not mean it always have to happen that way. But over time, it changes. It changes. If you're consistent in our testimony, it changes. And the family, even if they do not really believe in us like we want them to believe, what happens is what happens is in John chapter three. This should happen. Sorry, John chapter 2. Two. The most important words uttered by Mary after receiving the word from Gabriel the second, most verse 5, two, 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. Okay? You know what? They send others to us. Mm-hmm. They do. They send others to us. Jabbat. Oh, you have a problem? Go to my son. He will pray for you. He will tell you what to do. It's They find it very difficult to acknowledge. I also have to listen to you because their pride does not allow them. But they don't stop others. Mm. You need to understand. You need to see the number of people my mother has asked to listen to me and to my wife. True. Which I couldn't. It's impossible for <laughs> me to reach to them. It's all family and household. They all log in. They all listen. They all call upon the home phone for my wife to pray over them. And you know where it all came from? It came from my mother. Came from my mother. Okay, so that's what it does. That is what happened. That's what she's doing. So your family is not your enemy. Family is not your enemy. Your family, when they see your testimony and it is consistent, start will start bringing others, and you are able to minister to. So deeply within, deep inside, they believe. They find it very difficult to acknowledge in public. I also believe in you. Maybe when you are dead, they will accept. <laughs> okay, like Jesus. <laughs> okay. But it shouldn't bother us. It shouldn't bother us. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the strongholds and lies. It's not, it is, it's not so much basically what I see is basically it is pride. Pride. Always if you will notice, like, of course in Pastor Vijay's case it is different. Always if you look in the Bible also. In many of the cases what happens is, it's the youngest one who's picked up. 
then it becomes even more difficult for the older ones to accept that. <laughs> youngest or one of the younger ones is very rarely do you see when the eldest one being picked up. Because elder one means automatically you have been trained to honor, okay, I will listen to you because you are the eldest. Automatically you listen. And God doesn't do that. He picks one of those ones from the <laughs> down in the line. And the older ones all go, oh, we have to listen to you. Okay. And after some time they realize that you is right, but okay. That's basically what happens. Yes, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Again, these are practical questions. This is question number 14. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, one minute, let me just read it right. Uh, 6 to verse 12, we wrestle, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. If we pray prayers like, if anyone who schemes to attack us or trap in the pit will fall down in the same pit and be destroyed, here we should be mindful of not addressing human beings, but the powers of darkness behind the humans. Or, can we pray against sorcerers or wicked? You see, we should be very careful mm. about this. Okay, We do not fight flesh and blood. But the problem is, what about those flesh and blood who are one with powers of darkness? One with powers of darkness. So when we pray, see, honestly understand, know this. When we pray, we don't have power to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. But some people, if they are at the wrong place, at the wrong time, they will be destroyed by themselves because of the company they keep. And our prayers may be the reason. May be the reason. Okay. Like on Mount Carmel, the entire episode on Mount Carmel was to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And when it happened, the sorcerers died. Sorcerers died. Okay, sorcerers. So we need to realize when we pray, the 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 power that controls and blinds people from coming to God is the power of witchcraft. But witchcraft on its own cannot operate unless you have human elements human elements. Without human elements, like Satan had all his deceiving power, but until a person believed in what he said, sorcery had no effect in the Garden of Eden. That's no Okay, it has no effect. Somebody believes. And then after that we have the priests of Satan. The priests of Satan. Which basically who are sorcerers, who know what they are doing, and they are into it, and they are evil, they are wicked. Even they can be saved. But that's their choice. Hmm. That's our choice. So in a battle, remember we are fighting. In a battle, please understand this, there are casualties. There are casualties. We don't intend that. We don't want that to happen. But in a war, there are casualties. So when you have these places and when we call down fire from heaven, if they get burnt, only because the fire fell upon the demons and the demons were with them. Okay, they were, they were in the burning house. That's the reason. It happens. Twice, three times, the king sent soldiers to take Elijah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sent Elijah. And these are Old Testament patterns, but New Testament, it has become even more wicked now. Even more wicked. 
you really, really have sorcerers and wizards and witches gathering. They do sacrifices. They drink blood. They do kind of all kind of occult, basically what to destroy people, to control people, and destroy God's people and His servants. Hmm. And we are not. You cannot be neutral about this, yes. because we have to fight those forces they are releasing. We have to fight those forces they are releasing. So what do we do? Every lying tongue that rises against us in judgment. What are those lying tongues? These are curses. Mm. Because these things operate by curses. Yes. Okay? And that is released. You shall condemn it. So what do we say? You see, uh, let me ask you this question. You have an enemy and you have a gun and you aim the, the enemy is coming to kill you. You aim the gun at him and you pull the trigger. Nothing happens. Why? Because there's no bullet in it. Without a bullet, the guns are useless. Sorcery and witchcraft will not work unless demons are sent out. They are the bullets in their gun. What do sorcerers do? What do witchcraft? They invoke the power of the devil. Okay? Power of the devil. In our case, when we pray, nothing is going to happen unless the Holy Spirit moves. Mm. And angelic hosts are sent to fight on our behalf. Mm. Nothing is going to happen. Okay, so this is a power. It's a battle that is really, really taking place. So you will see the church is praying down here. Michael and the angels are fighting over there. Okay, they are fighting there because there is a prayer life happening over here. So you need to realize there are casualties. Now bring it down. The battle is on earth. Battle is on earth. In a coven, let us say. Church is praying. In a coven, they are doing their rituals to destroy the pastor, destroy the church, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your children, cursing and doing occult. And because you have to feed the demons, they have to be fed blood. Mm. Otherwise, they will not intervene. You have to give the devil what he wants. Otherwise, he will not do anything. That's why they put their babies through fire. All the Old Testament patterns are still happening. Because Christianity became the norm and the, the in the modern world, all these things were banned. Mm. Before that, it was not banned. It was a norm. It was a practice. In all pagan cultures, it was a practice. Mm. So now what cannot be done in public, they do it in secret because mm. there is no other way to get the same old power. You want power, it is not going to come. Sammy, everything okay? Yeah, it is not going to come. So what happens now, it is done in secret. Mm. Why is this? This is not to serve, this is to control. Why are we asking for power to serve? Yes. yes. Why are they asking for power to, to control? control. To do? So anybody who opposes you, they have to destroy. They have to destroy. Okay, so we need to understand this difference is, therefore what happens is, when we pray, one of the two things will happen. Either they see the power of God, like the magicians of Pharaoh. Mm. They said, this is the, the finger, finger of God. Oh, yes. Finger of God. Let them go. And we see that happening. I'm hearing reports of many, many sorcerers saying, just let them alone. This is God. We cannot fight this. But still there are those who will not. And you know what happens? It's their choice. They choose to die. Mm. They choose to die. You have two choices in a battle. When you see the enemy is too powerful, you have two choices. Either you surrender Mm. or you decide to commit suicide by fighting. It's a choice. 
And you know, they know our God better than we do. There are no atheists among sorcerers. They know who is real. They know who is real. They know his power. Okay, so you want to fight him? That's your problem. It's your problem. Okay, why would the prophets of Baal, after morning till evening, Baal is not even doing anything? He's not doing anything. And so, if you look at, if you read the account carefully, let's go to the one real encounter with sorcery. Kings. First Kings 18. Okay. Hmm. I wanna I wanna show you something over there. Okay. Eighteen. Words thirty eight and thirty-nine. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. Thirty nine and forty. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord is God, the Lord is God. Verse 40. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did everybody see the same sight? Yes. Do you see the prophets of Baal on their face before God? No. no. If they had fallen upon their face and said, He is God, would they be dead? No. No. You don't see them. You don't see them. So there are sorcerers, there are wizards, there are witches who actually see the power of God being manifested and destroying the demons, fleeing and screaming and everything. And you know what? They don't bow to that God. They still try to fight that God. And they die by their own sword. Of, of those 400 or 450 or whatever number were there, if 100 of them had fallen on their face and say, Yahweh is God, they would have been spared. Spared. Okay, so it's not in our hands. Our job is to pray. Whether they will be spared or not is in their hands. It is in their hands. Because they see the power of God being manifested, which we don't see. But they see. And when they see, they have a choice. And they cry out and say, Jesus, you are saved. You are saved out of destruction. And if they don't, many of them die. Okay, so those choices are there. You'll always see if you read the book of Exodus, you will see the the prophet, sorry, the king sorcerers say, you know, this is the hand of God. Okay, leave them alone. Now, what happened? The Pharaoh doesn't listen. Hmm. The Pharaoh doesn't listen. Okay, you through go through the entire account from Genesis onwards. It is sorcery and wizards and soothsayers. Oh, lot of them are there everywhere because you. Cannot handle it without power. Hmm. And there are only two sources of power. And when we are, we are in battle. And when we pray, we pray. And it is on that side what they are going to do. Okay, what are we, why, why is he asking them to be killed so that the people will be free? If you leave them alone, what will happen? They will bring the people back to captivity and you will see there. You go back to, yeah, go to that same chapter. Okay, I'll give you that uh, reference. Okay, uh, chapter 18 and verse 19. That's what you said. Hmm? Did you see that verse 19? Yes, sir. Yeah. Look at the n- number over there, right? And come to verse 22. Okay, 
let's go back to that verse 
But uh, if you look at it technically, he's merciful to his enemies. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And they all come and surrender to him. He doesn't take revenge. He doesn't say no. No mercy here. He's mm-hmm. always merciful mm-hmm. that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so many people whom we are in touch with who are now servants of God. Mm-hmm. They're servants of God. Once they were not servants of God, they were enemies of God and they were in sorcery. But they saw and they came out and now they are brothers. Mm. They are brothers. Okay. So what I'm saying is when these things happen, when he, because when he's praying these things, it is basically happening in the spiritual realm. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's I was happening in the spiritual so. realm. Yes. He's not wishing harm on their physical realm. Mm. You know, so, but it happens in the physical realm because they choose not to change. Mm. And God still shows mercy. Even to Ahab, he showed mercy for a long time. And when Ahab repented, God accepted his repentance and turned his wrath away. And when he goes back, he dies. He dies. No? So we have to understand how these things work. Otherwise, uh, yeah. So mm. there, there are some cases where, I mean, I know uh, it's not easy for us to answer this. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, for example, let's say you have a case wherein uh, a brother or sister has sent his or her own husband into the mission field mm. and he was martyred okay mm. and he was martyred and it's so difficult for her to forgive help mm. him or her to forgive that person mm. and then is it wrong in that in those cases mm. uh, i mean uh, how how do we let's let's say empathize with such people and say you know what you should forgive uh, you, yeah, there it, are two it, two sides to this one you need to do, first we need to understand because we have a case yeah we have so many people cases, have been yeah. uh, cut off Martyred, yeah. it's yeah. it's anger which naturally comes to a believer and says lord how did you it how shouldn't you? come to a believer naturally and how do we handle such okay people? two things. first thing i will tell you is that martyrdom is not for everybody it's not for everybody. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, I have another cup to drink from. Mm. He was talking about that cup of martyrdom. And they said, we also can. They said, you can? They said, yes, we can. He said, well, you will. Mm. You will. And we know they were all, almost mm. everyone were martyred. Martyrdom is not for everybody. Okay. Though there is glory in mar- martyrdom, there is also, it is, you don't wish for that. Mm. It's a call of God. Okay, now let me tell you, it's easier to die for Jesus than to live for Jesus. The living for Jesus is a daily death, which Mm. is the more difficult one. Okay, difficult. Even the martyrs, when they are judged, they don't get a free pass. They will still be judged whether they died daily or not. Okay, so that is a different thing. So please understand the nature of martyrdom. Then second thing we need to understand is that if your husband or your wife has died as a martyr, it is like Abraham putting his son on the altar. Okay, on the altar. Mm. Okay. So, see, one of the fundamental things which we ke- I keep saying on Sundays is offer your bodies as a living sacrifice is that once you have offered, you have no say on it. The one who receives it can do anything with it. And if you're upset by what happens, that means you did not offer. Mm. It was just words. It was not a real surrender. Okay, it was not a real surrender. Grief is there. Grief is there. But uh, you cannot be upset because that is how you see the new covenant starting with Jesus. What does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen says, Father, don't hold it against them. I mean, you need to realize it. 
Doesn't the Sanhedrin know what they're doing? But other side of it, that they also don't know what they're doing. Exactly. They also don't know what they're doing. If a Muslim terrorist cuts off a believer's head off, you know, I don't get angry. I don't get upset. Honestly, I keep hearing all the time. I don't get upset. I don't get upset. Uh, well, the reason why I'm asking this is... And you cannot have unforgiveness in your heart at all. No, Absolutely. No. If it's a known thing... and See, unforgiveness is more with the family members. But an unknown man takes your husband's head off and an unknown man takes your wife's head off. How can you have unforgiveness? Hmm. How can you have unfor- You don't even know the person. It's an ideology versus an one ideology and you have to ask which ideology it wins. If somebody takes the believer's head off and the believer's husband or wife is mad, then his ideology has won. There's mm-hmm. no difference between your ideology and him. That's why God says forgive. Forgives. The power of the, of your doctrine is in what you believe. Yeah. They believe in killing. We believe in dying, which is more powerful. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we will see which will have the power to win. The one, the power to die is the power they are also willing to die, die exactly. but they are willing to die in killing mm. we don't kill that way we don't kill in the mission field we never kill then our message is gone our message is gone so when these things happen you see the open doors you see the one daily devotions you get some people struggled with it and until you get over it you won't be further used by God won't be further used by God. You are stopped immediately. And I believe one of those changing moments where Christ could meet him and immediate surrender is that Paul saw Saul's re- um, Stephen's reaction. <coughs> he saw his re- and the reaction because he is blameless according to the law, but he had never seen anything like this. Mm. Had never seen anything like this. So we have to be very, very careful about how he deal with issues in life because what kills people is not the sword, it is unforgiveness. It kills people. It it, it eats you away. It kills you away. And it, it, it does not have to be on a mission field. A mission field martyrdom is easier to forgive. There are a lot of other missionaries. What has happened is like let us say the one who came to India, what's his name? Ramstains. No, no, no. no. The Ramstains is easy to forgive. The other one, the one who started the Bible College and all in Calcutta. Uh, yeah, William Carey. Uh, William Carey. William Carey. You come on a mission field. Your wife dies in the mission field. Your children die on the mission field. Nobody killed them. They die. That is more difficult to handle. Lord, didn't I come here with my family? Am I not serving you? My wife goes mad. She dies. My children fall ill. You know how many missionaries have lost their family, not to martyrdom, but because of the issues of the mission field. And they get bitter. And William Carey did not get bitter. Mm. He didn't go back. He finished his work. That is the most difficult part to handle. Lord of them give up and they go back and says, you know what? I can't do this. I cannot serve a God. I cannot serve a God. Mm. Uh, That is more difficult to handle than martyrdom. Martyrdom is very clear. My husband died for the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I grieve, but I am proud, Lord. He died for you. I'd given him to you anyway. Or my wife, you took Lord. God be the glory, because she was always yours, his thing. But the other one is more difficult to handle. That is why David's servants are shocked. They looked at him and said, when the boy was living, <laughs> you were on your face before God. Mm. Now that he's dead, you rose up, you showered, you went to the temple, you worship, you're now coming and says, give me food. Mm. And you know what? He says, you know what? As long as you're alive, I thought maybe I will try. God is gracious. Now that he's dead, he's not going to come back to me. 
He's not going to come back to me, but I know I will go to him. Meaning, God has not stopped being gracious. God who is gracious is always gracious in death or life. He is gracious. You know what? I will eat and I will go back to work. So we have to handle this. I'm telling you, people who lose in missions, in missions, get bitter. It get bitter. And that's where you have to know because people here, let us hear the prosperity gospel. They step out into the ministry. So instead of prosperity, all they face is adversity and poverty. Yeah. And they get bitter. <coughs> they get bitter. They okay, get bitter. You know? That's why Jesus is put it. Jesus does not call with lies. He's very clear. If anyone, man mm-hmm. wants to follow me, this is the criteria. He's willing to lose anybody, everybody for Christ Jesus sake. Christ Jesus sake. Okay. So when that happens, is there grief? Of course there is grief. Okay. Did Job grieve? He did grieve. He was sitting in sackcloth and ashes. He grieved. But did he blame God? No. He didn't blame God at all. Okay. So we don't blame the people. They are just instruments the enemy used. And we are not angry with them. We are not upset with them. At all, we are not upset with them. Okay. Yeah. Pastor, there is, oh, this, I understand that you're not upset with the people who have done this. Mm. But if you look at the system in itself, there's a gross injustice that is happening. The, no, reason, the that, reason why I'm saying that is that... That is con- connected with the law. But this is not working under the law. This is working outside the law. Hmm. Okay. You need to understand the under the Judaic law, they actually thought Jesus was blaspheming God. Paul thought he was doing right. Saul of Tarsus thought he was right because the the Christians are blasphemers. So the Muslims under Sharia thinks they are blasphemers. Though they are wrong, they think they are right. They think they are right. Okay, You need to understand, they think like uh, when Hindu mobs attack, though they are wrong, they think they are right. Okay, that's why Jesus is saying, Father, forgive. They don't know what they are doing. If their eyes were really, really opened, really, really opened, and they saw the reality, all of them would say, oh, we are wrong. Why did we do this? He says, the only way their eyes will open is the way you react. Hmm. Hmm. They have to see when you forgive them and you continue to love them like... uh, the what you call the name of the movie, the point edge of the point of the spear or whatever. What is his name? The, uh, what was his name? The when he went to that Jimmy. island, Ajimel. Oh. He didn't preach a single message. He reached and he died. They killed him. They killed him. Okay, he killed him. But you know what? Did his wife, his wife give up? No. no. Did she grieve? Yes. She went, and she brought the whole tribe to the Lord. But to bring the whole tribe to the Lord, one had to die. he had to die. <laughs> one had to die. One had to die. So death is not a loss in the kingdom of God. That's why Paul says it is gain. It's not loss, it is gain. The grief, we are not negating the grief at all. The grief is real. But we also cannot grieve like one without hope. hope. We have to be very, very careful how we grieve. That's David's grief. David is grieved. But it's not a grief without hope. It's a grief with hope. He will not come back. But you know what? I will go. So you know what I am doing? I am going to rise up. And I am going to continue to serve the God who called us. So that is where you have to be very, very careful. Otherwise, Hmm. what will happen? The Bible says, the root of bitterness goes in. Hmm. There are a lot of people who are bitter. 
lot of bitter. And I will only say is that when you are bitter, it's because your surrender was never complete. Mm. You didn't surrender all. Though you sang all I surrender, <laughs> you did not surrender all. Because if you surrender all, what it means, you can do whatever you want to do with me and my life. You can do whatever you want. Mm. I take my hands off. I have no say in this. I give it completely to you. Yeah. You know, that's where we have to be careful about it. But those who have surrendered, they grieve, but they have no regrets. You ask them, will you go again? They will say, we will. We will. Okay. My only, my only, uh, advice to is that be very wise. Today, use discernment. Times are different. It's not like the old days. Uh, we have to be very, very wise where we go, what we say. And uh, we have to be very, very wise about these things. It's a very hostile, very, very horrible. We are not talking about because we are now working in the framework of a civil society. That's where Pastor Vijay was coming from when we see the laws being abused and the system not. But you need to realize when the church began, they had no laws for them. Everybody's laws was against them, both Caesar and the Jewish system. And they thrived under that. The church did not grow small. The church just, and the more they killed, the more they expanded. So they had nothing support. And I would always say that the church should live under that umbrella. Whether the law is for us or against it. When it's for us, we will use it. Mm. We'll use every, under the Indian constitution, where the laws, we will hire lawyers, we will fight for the cases. That's what a lot of persecution relief does. It. They are doing yes. it all over. They're doing it. That's what Paul also said, right? He said, Chained as of no, he said, I appeal to Caesar. Yes, I appeal to Caesar. Yeah. He's invoking the law. Mm-hmm. Appeal to Caesar. And when they came to release him, he said, Is it right for you to flog a Roman citizen? Aren't you breaking your own law? And they got scared. They got scared because they broke the law. So God is not saying in a setup you cannot resort to the law that helps you. He says, Do it. Do it. But in a setup where the law itself is against you and it does not work, you don't have to get upset about it. In a Muslim nation, you are not allowed to proselytize. The law is against you. But that law is against the law of God, which says go to the ends of the earth and preach. But today what I am saying is often you don't have to go. There are modes uh, of go, not you don't have to go. You can still reach those communities without going. So be wise about how you do. Okay? Like what I'm telling, why I'm telling you is yesterday I said the example, right? When, when one US Navy SEAL dies, it's a huge loss because they are the best of American trains. And you have only around 2,500 Navy SEALs. And to train and bring a Navy SEAL, it costs almost $50 million per person. So it's a loss. So the loss of a senior man or a woman of God in the mission field is a great loss. Mm -hmm. It's irreplaceable actually. It is very difficult to get a person Mm -hmm. like that. It's a loss. Mm -hmm. So if such a loss occurs, it should only because the person was there right in the middle of God's will at his time, at his place, at his leading. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want that kind of loss. That kind of a loss. We don't want that kind of a loss. Okay, especially people who pray. Pray. People who, who are very clear with the word of God. 
know, people who pray and who really, we do not see the power of people. When people who pray are taken away, we don't, we don't realize until later the effect it has on the church. So they should be, I always say use discernment. Mm. Use discernment. But their services are valued for eternity. Amen. Precious in the light of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord. And we grieve with them and then say, get up and continue the work. Pastor, on the same theme, again, it's question number 16. Uh, It's it's in our context. I've recently attended a persecution relief India prayer group of Shibu Thomas and heart-wrenching to watch the physical... Yeah, we don't give the details on this. Yeah. Mm. Such a contrast on this end of the world, poor pastors going the physical through, assault on poor yeah, pastors across parts, yeah. even Telangana. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, poor pastors going through thatched hearts beaten up and injured, and the other side of Western world is full of complacency, false doctrines, prosperity gospel, etc. Always the poor pastors in Asia, etc., going through unbelievable persecution. Why is this? Um, you need to realize uh, there was persecution in the entire Western world what we call the Western world today, when Christianity started. started. Yes. The persecution stopped because Christianity became the majority religion. Mm-hmm. The laws were framed to protect freedom of speech and all. That's the only reason why there was no persecution. But now it started. Mm-hmm. It has started. Persecution has started. And you will now realize the freedom of speech is only for non-Christians and not for Christians exactly. and pastors. It has started. So you need to realize... Not that it was not there. It was always there for hundreds of years. And the persecution kind of stopped when Emperor Constantine became Christian. And then it started. It stopped. And it, I don't know whether it was good or bad. I think it was more bad than good. Because then what happened? Every riffraff became Christian. Because the emperor's religion brings perks. So everybody became Christian. <laughs> and most of them who became Christians, I believe, were not born again. A born again, no? so that becomes that becomes problematic. That's when when uh, Christianity becomes a state-sponsored religion, it is really really bad because the people who come in come in because for the perks. But the other side is the laws were framed to protect. So in so many ways, persecution stopped. Now things are changing. Things are changing. The laws are being framed, which is against. Christian Judeo values. Mm. The laws are being changed now. Earlier, the right of the child was protected. Mm. Okay? So, that was taken away. So, anybody who opposes abortion will face trouble with the system. And you will see it is facing. Earlier, homosexuality was banned because it was God. It was an abomination to God. Now, it has been legalized. So, any church who stands on the value of God's kingdom is going to be persecuted. So transgender, all these things. Now what is happening? The church in the West will go through persecution. It won't go through the kind of persecution. It does happen secretly like you see in the Eastern nations where pastors are beaten up and all because the law still protects you. But they will go through another kind of persecution. Another kind of persecution. You know, you need to understand when it comes about persecution, there are two kinds of persecution. And because the visible persecution, you know, because we are all visible creatures, okay, visible persecution, we are moved by that. That is the breaking of bones, Mm. the killing of the bodies or the maiming of the bodies. There is another persecution, it's the torment of the soul. Yes, yes, yes. But if you look at it, the second one, 
is more painful than the first one. So please don't ever think in the Western world there are in godly men who are not beaten. So they go through this trauma of the soul day in and day out. You know what they do? They don't beat you up. They file case after case and harass you and case. It is, they don't get a day's peace in their life. Here at least they will beat you up and they will put you in prison and then they leave you alone. There they don't leave you alone at all. You're hunted. You're hunted constantly on social media. Your name. They will bring up false accusation. Everything. They won't touch you. Your body. But they won't leave your mind alone. These both are traumatic. And I will tell you sometimes, this is more more traumatic than this. Okay, Because the fellow who beat you up is a stranger. Like a, like a simple example we use is known that, let us say, Pastor Vijay was getting up, I'm just using an example, getting out from his morning on his bike, and Justin shouted at him. He's going to remember that the whole day. On the way, somebody crossed him and shouted at him. He will forget that in five <laughs> minutes. You know why? Because that's a stranger. Mm. So that is how this persecution is. They are beaten up, this thing and all. But normally they don't hold anything against them. You know whom they feel bad about? They feel bad about is that among those who beat you up was a neighbor. And his reason was something else. Mm. A neighbor whom you helped. A neighbor whom you this thing. Okay. And when you see the neighbor's face in that crowd, that hurts you. Isn't this man whom I helped? Okay, helped. This is what when Graham stains and later when those riots and told took place in Orissa. If you ask the nuns the kind of atrocities that took place, if you ask them what upset you, was the mob attack that upset you? They said no. What upset you? The shopkeepers who mind we knew. The parents of the children who were in our school, when we saw their faces, that upset us. Those were not unfamiliar faces. They were familiar faces and they were all part of the mob and they were part of what happened to us. That upsets you. Understand, there are two things about it. That upsets us. Hmm. Okay. So in this physical persecution, you would have a familiar face and that you carry with you in prison. Why did you do that to me? Why did that? Why did you do that to me? Okay, why did you that do that to me? Okay, so now let me tell you, the persecution that's happening in the book of Acts, the Christians are being persecuted by the Jews. You need to realize all those Christians were Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily family. They all know each other. It's a, it's a close community. community they yes. all know each other. The Sanhedrin also is familiar. It's that's not right. done to you by Hindus or Muslims. Then. Right. It is Jews persecuting Jews. those who left Judaism. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that hurts. Mm. That hurts. Okay, that hurts. You know who's hurting you. That hurts. So there is a physical thing which is easier to get over. And there is another thing which is difficult to get over. And that is where we need to harm. That is where unforgiveness comes. That is where bitterness comes. Okay? And you have to guard your heart with that. Guard your heart with that. If I want to look at an example, is this. Right? Naomi's husband's name was... Uh, Elkanah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, Elkanah uh, uh, Ali Melek. Ali Melek. Uh, uh, Ali Melek. Ali Melek took his wife and two sons yeah. and he went to Moab. Okay? And in 10 years in Moab, they, she lost everything. Right? Okay? She lost everything. When she comes back, isn't Naomi bitter? Yes. 
Yeah. Now let me ask you this question. Is Naomi bitter with her Moabites? No. Isn't that interesting? She is bitter with the Israelites. Mm-hmm. The God of Israel. God of Israel. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Where did he lose them? Did he lose your husband in Israel? No. Did he lose your sons in Israel? No. Where did he lose? No. And that's what happens with believers. They're bitter with believers. Mm. They're not bitter with Gentiles. They're bitter with believers. Who is your husband bitter with? The wife. Who is the wife bitter with? Mm. The husband. Is she bitter with the neighbor? No. Mm. He's very friendly with the neighbor. He's very friendly with the neighbor. <laughs> you see, this is basically what God is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the brother offended is difficult to win. <laughs> okay. Okay. This, is, this is our primary issue. So through it all, God is actually revealing our heart. Now let us, okay? Mm. Simple, okay? Let us say a brother or a sister, her husband got martyred. Let us by a Muslim mob kill your husband, cut his head off and this thing and all. The news comes back to the your church. The news comes back to the church. And there were, let us say, 20 people. 10 people sorrowed with you. 5 people you heard say, good for her. He shouldn't have gone there in the first place. So who are you upset with? Wow. The one who said that. Wow. Not the one who killed your husband. <laughs> that is forgotten completely. <laughs> that is forgotten completely. <laughs> you see, because they have no power, power to hurt you. you. Yes. They have the power to cause you grief over the death of your husband. They have no power. They are unknown faces. Mm-hmm. But who has the power to grieve you? The ones you know. God says, guard your heart from that. Mm. God, that is our issue. Our issues are not far away in strange and foreign nations. Our issues are close to home. So, so, so you do you believe the martyrdom of Stephen was a case of, of such a case where the brothers were actually getting offended with him? You do you think that way? Because no, we do not know. We do not know about Stephen's case. Because the reason I'm saying is that in one of Derek Prince's sermons, he he says he says uh, when Stephen pronounced, he says, "Lord, forgive them, mm. for they do not know what they're doing." Mm. And if he wouldn't have released. His, mart- his martyrs, I mean, the people who martyred him, mm. with the, sp- the pronouncement of forgive- forgiveness, mm. it wouldn't have been possible that Saul would have got converted. No, I wouldn't say that. Then, then salvation of a soul is in my hands. Mm. No. It would have taken longer, longer, probably. But uh, it makes it easier. easier. Okay. It makes it easier. Okay, This makes it easier. Forgiveness, one. Primarily, forgiveness releases me primarily releases me more than the other person. Why does God say in the prayer it is forgive your debtors for whose sake? The debtor, debtor may not even know about <laughs> for it. My and many of them may not even mm. come to the Lord. Mm. Maybe even more angry and bitter and unchanging and go, it is for our sake. Mm. You know why? Because I need forgiveness from God. Mm. That's That's why I need forgiveness from God. I need to hear from God. I need to walk with God. I need the provision of God. That is the reason. That's the reason. The after effect of it is that they are also released. In this case, Saul hears. Mm. Saul hears. Okay, Saul hears. In most cases, they don't hear. They don't hear. They choose to believe that they have not forgiven. And I was right. All that stuff. No. So please understand the issue is not with foreign lands. Issues are always very (laughs) close to home. You know, so when Asia and all these things, persecution goes, okay? So what is the answer to persecution actually ceasing? 
is strengthening the civil law. We're talking about secular concepts, okay? Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, do you hear pastors being beaten up in Japan? No. No. You know, the civil law is very powerful. Very strong, yeah. Very strong. Where did they get it from? From the Americans. From the Americans. Americans. Okay. From the Americans. So, we have to get... But the civil law is from God. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, we have to be very, very careful about the first thing we need to guard our hearts is this that we should not get offended when they criticize our religion because mm. then we are not you see one of the things which i personally believe is that my god does not need me my to god. defend exactly him. absolutely true i don't have to get upset mm. i don't have to get because you know what mm. anybody can say anything it doesn't change who he is what he is he is amen he's amen. not dependent upon man's words or man's one day every i will see everything <laughs> will confess <laughs> so mm. i am not offended but you know what i will try to be gracious and try to tell them okay uh, i don't have to degrade your religion mm. i just have to lift my god up and show you who my god is mm. My God is, okay? And uh, I just have to lift Christ up. He didn't say, you know, pull down a few statues and they shall come to me. He didn't say that. He said, lift me up. Lift me up. You know, you lift me up, you know what will happen? Yeah, I will draw all men to myself. And you know what those people will do? They will pull down their own statues. Mm. Amen. And you don't have to do You don't have to do anything. We don't have to do any demolition work. Mm. We don't have to do They will take it out because they will realize it has no meaning. It has no power. They will do it yourself. All we have to do is introduce this thing. Okay? But we have to walk in that liberty. So, so when you're talking about strengthening the civil law, mm. I'm just using this example of, let's say, UK, United Kingdom was, was founded also in free speech. You have a strong, uh, platform wherein you can express contrary opinions mm. and you don't have to care as to what they think about you. But you will see that in those very nations where the civil law is stronger, there they is change a the laws. What has happened? They changed the laws. You see, what happened is, what Jesus said in John chapter 17, you are not of the world, but I am sending you into the world. What happened is that the church started withdrawing from the world. Okay. And it starts losing its Its influence and its voice in the civil structure. Mm. That's why I kept it. I told this week also. 99.99% 99.99% in the ch- people in the church will never be called into a full-time ministry. Only 0.01% will be called. The rest are called to be involved in the civil structure as God's witnesses. Amen. Okay. So think about the loss of Britain. Let us say their parliament has 500 people. Let us talk about the U.S. Congress. Let us talk about 100 senators. I leave the Congress aside. If it does not pass the Senate, it still doesn't mm. become law. Let us say 100 senators are there. 51 senators, irrespective of party, are hardcore, born-again believers. Mm. No unjust law will pass. Amen. True. Absolutely. Mm. You know why laws pass? It's not because of Republicans and Democrats. It's because there are unbelievers sitting there. Mm. Because the church lost its influence in the structure. They birthed lawyers and all these people who were unbelievers, who have a Christian name but have no convictions. (laughs) Come on. That is where we went wrong. Come Why on. did Hollywood go that way? It's because we have no movie directors or we don't have anybody who are believers. Mm. Movie is a neutral structure. It's a neutral structure. Okay? When they started withdrawing, 
music they started withdrawing education they started withdrawing what happens is nature will not accept a vacuum the others took over yeah. so the, the structure was very very strong american structure all parts of the civil society was very strong because always the majority voice was believers believers absolutely believers when they started moving out okay and moving out what happened is and also i believe the church became diluted mm. that's what prosperity does mm. what prosperity does the church starts losing its convictions when church starts losing its convictions it will always birth weak children compromised children so now of course we are not saying we still have to occupy that's why he said occupy till i come so what do i have to occupy if you are a christian nation you have to occupy from the white house to the dog house you have to occupy everything amen we need witnesses everywhere, everywhere. you yes. need witnesses and one witness can change everything yeah. because if the witness is in a powerful place like when president trump mm. was became president though he was not an overt christian he believed what was told that he says okay those values shall become my values and with the stroke of the pen he started changing everything yeah. now biden come over there who you pretends to be a believing catholic but all his values are antithetical to the christian judaism with the stroke of pen he's changing all those laws and the country is in a chaos you know why there's two different people okay one was not an overt christian at all he i don't know whether he really went to church even but you know what i accept those values as my values and then according to the values you started putting out executive orders another man comes if, if for once in america's history it's very rare you see the two of the most powerful people the president of us and the speaker of the congress the two most powerful people are both catholics and every law that i pass is against the teaching of the catholicism yes okay they overtly very good they could talk about their faith all the time okay trump was not an overtly christian person but if you look at him his values were much much closer if you look at the orders he passed where this thing so if you look at that one man can make a difference one way or other good or bad okay he can That's make a difference so what is god talking about the church I have sent you into the world how first you came apart you sanctified yourself second part you were separated to me you were uh, uh, cleansed and filled with me now you go into the world and become my witness and you will see uh, like let us let us put across this simple picture you have esther in the palace and you don't touch a single jew jews don't die because you have a person or conviction in a place of influence, influence. yes influence. that's what god is talking about this is what you are civil society will change when you have my people in those places i didn't call you to address i didn't call you into full time ministry i said you shall be my witnesses so what do we need if you look at india what do we need we need ips officers we need ias officers we need ifs officers we need iras officers we need believers into all these structures because the indian government moves on them runs on them, yep. runs on them and yeah. it will make a whole lot of difference whole lot of difference okay ultimately the government can say whatever they are meant yeah. law and order implement even okay. the supreme court can say so many things which has never been implemented you know that 
the supreme court doesn't have the the, the power to implement mm. it they can only pass orders mm. has to be implemented at the local level by the government enforced ultimately by the constable mm. okay so god says in that structure if you have righteous men and women righteous men and women and not necessarily civil structure you don't necessarily need to have a righteous christian even a righteous hindu or a muslim will uphold the law absolutely and there are a lot of righteous yes, hindus who uphold the law yeah. with convictions yeah uphold the law. they will say you know what i don't believe in your religion what's happening to them is wrong it will not happen under my watch they do that they do that you know and that is where it has to come but when it becomes a believer in is in those places it brings the kingdom of god over there he can go beyond what a righteous christian can do i think that's what happened even in yeah. south korea yeah. where uh, 50% of the people yeah, not 50 but almost very lot of people in the middle in, in the, the in, people in, came in, in over there but again a lot of see we ultimately we need to believe understand this okay if anybody thinks that ultimately the church will win physically <laughs> on earth you are wrong mm. that does not happen the antichrist does take over god just takes the church over if you are tr- thinking through all these processes of bringing the kingdom of god on earth physically that is called dominion theology, theology. and it is a lie yes yes it does not happen does not happen in the bible no where does it happen in the bible it actually says things will get worse and worse and worse and the church disappears and it will become a worst case scenario so accept that as a paradigm so we are not trying to do something which the bible does not promise you mm. will happen what we are trying to do is that do our part occupy till he comes in the process you may succeed or you may fail mm. but you are not a failure Mm-hmm. Yes, you, fail. you may fail in your efforts to convert others or change others that does not make you a failure you have to occupy your space until he comes so we have to see it that way we don't have you know even us ultimately at some point in history will collapse britain collapsed western civilization has collapsed okay, all the and there are agendas and a lot of kind of things working in the background we are looking at over here and we have to realize this is what persecution means there's a persecution on one side where the pressure is constant constant on whether on touch your body but they are afflict your mind day in and day out afflict your mind and that is more difficult to resist others they beat up your body beat up your body okay hmm. and uh, like it is easier to be a christian in a physical persecution because it's very clear who is right who is wrong mm. yes but in the other place where there is no persecution physical at all you're bombarded with ideologies you are tormented day and night mm. you're always confused yes always confused okay so let's see it as that way Pastor, I think we can stop here, Pastor. Yes, we can stop. It's eight o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, It's well, Sunday, first Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yes. don't talk. Yeah, that's, uh, don't talk like Elijah talked on Mount Carmel before the people mm-hmm. and before God. I am the only one left. God says, "You are not the only <laughs> one. Put on. Stop putting this pity party, Elijah. You are not the only one. There are others. You don't know about them." Because in the same way, there are lots of others. Okay, on every group there are lots of others. So, so Peter says yeah. similar kinds of things are happening to brothers all around. All around, ninety-nine <laughs> percent of the persecution that takes place we will never hear. 
never hear. Doesn't matter how many organizations we have for relief for them, we will never hear most of the stuff that happens. We will never hear. And because we have become a very, what you call it, uh, visual, this thing, modern, we report. Old days, who reported these things? In the Council of Nicene to Nicaea Mm. to have the the Apostles Creed. Apostles Creed, you know, when the emperor called and that's when persecution had all stopped sure. and nation, Roman Empire was becoming Christian. And I think around 300 bishops and all those people from all over the Roman province came in and the emperor was sitting in all his glory with everything. He had called the council. But if they say, history says, if you looked at those bishops who gathered, some did not have eyes, Eyes. some did not have ears, (laughs) some did not have hands, some did not have feet. It was not like today's church. Hallelujah. They had all lost (laughs) it in persecution. In persecution. Many have martyred. So the remaining survivors came and from there came the Apostles Creed at the Council of Nicaea. Okay, so we need to realize this has always been the history of the church. This is nothing new. Nothing. They did not put it on Facebook. Mm. They did not put it on Twitter. They never advertised any of those things. If Paul did not write in one chapter what he went through, basically has a defense against the false apostles mm-hmm. who were accused, we would have never known. Mm. Now the simple question: We don't know. Do we know what Peter went through? Mm. We don't know. No. Nothing is mentioned. Mm. What he mentioned. What all the others went through. We don't know. What mm. Thomas went through in Kerala. We don't know. Mm. We know he was killed. What he went through. <laughs> we don't know. You know so it's, it's, it's just a common thing. Okay. So we are not making it light either. Mm. The grief is real. The pain is real. But the rewards are eternal. Eternal. And you believe. Why do you do that? See a lot of people die for a cause which is false. Which is false. Okay, like recently heard one of the persons saying when a Muslim became a Christian said this, earlier we were willing to die for Allah. Mm. And we had died, it would have been a death in vain. Mm. Now that we have known Christ, we are willing to die for him. Hallelujah. At least we know. There are a lot of people who die for causes. Mm. But all that oh, death is in vain. When you die for Christ, it is not vain, it is gain. Hallelujah. It is gain. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank Father, you, we just thank you. Thank we you. praise you. We worship you, Lord. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This evening, we thank you, Father. And all those who lost loved ones through persecution, those who are being persecuted, those who are lying in jail, loved ones waiting, never knowing when the pastor, the father would come back home. All we can say is, Lord, You are the same God. You are with them. And I pray even now you would reach out and touch them and comfort them. For the word of God says, the Lord, the God of all comfort. That's who you are, Lord. Comfort them. Comfort the families, Lord. Oh, Father. And you will make a way, Father. I pray you make a way that there can be restoration. There can be those who have lost, whose, whose loved ones have martyred, I pray they will not lose hope. They will encourage themselves and they will continue the work to which they were called, oh Father. Because soon all this will end. It will be over. Oh. And your reign will begin, oh Lord. Amen. We know, Lord. We know it's true. It will happen. Yes, Lord. And it will be the reign of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. 
commit everyone into the hands of the Lord. Oh Lord, that you would go with us even this night. And those in the other side where it is day, go with them to protect us, preserve us, keep us. If you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day tomorrow as we gather in your house. Help us to celebrate you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.